Would you want to give me some details? Davis considered. A few drops of spray came over the Esperance's side. No, said Davis, not just yet. There's a possibility it will fit in. I'd like you to make one, and maybe it will fit in somewhere. But Larubi is the best angle we've got so far. There is one gadget I'd give a lot to have. You know, a depth finder. It sends a pulse of sound down to the bottom and times the echo coming back. Very much like radar, in a way. Both send out a pulse and time its return. Terry nodded. There was no mystery about depth finders or radars. We've got a depth finder on board, said Davis. If I sail a straight course and keep the depth finder running, I can make a profile of the sea bottom under me. If I had a row of ships doing the same thing, we could get profiles and have a relief map of the bottom. That's right, agreed Terry. What I'd give a lot for, said Davis, would be a depth finder that would send spot pulses, like radar does. Aimed sound pulses. And an arrangement made so it could scan the ocean bottom like radar scans the sky. One boat could make a graph of the bottom in depths and heights, mapping even hummocks and hills underwater. Could something like that be done? Probably, Terry told him. It might take a good deal of doing, though. I wish you'd think about it, said Davis. I know a place where I'd like to use such a thing. It's in the Luzon Deep. I really would like to have a detailed picture of the bottom of a certain spot there. Terry said nothing. He had been made angry, then mollified, and now he felt tempted to grow angry again. There was nothing definite in what was wanted of him, after elaborate machinations to get him aboard the Esperance. He was disappointed. Good breeze, said Davis in a different voice. We might as well hoist sail and cut off the engine. Take the wheel? Terry took the wheel. Davis went forward. Four dungareed figures came up out of the forecastle. The sails went up and filled. The engine stopped. The motion of the boat changed. More spray came aboard, but the movement was steadier. Davis came back and took the wheel once more. I think, he said, that we're acting in a way to, hmm, be annoying. I ought to lay my cards on the table, but I can't. For one thing, I haven't drawn a full hand yet. For another, there are some things you'll have to find out for yourself in a situation like this. Such as? Well, said Davis with a sudden dogged air, take those Orejas de Eos for an example. Eos are supposed to be some sort of beings at the bottom of the sea, who listen to fish and fishermen. It's a superstition, pure and simple. Suppose I said I was investigating the possibility that there were such beings. You'd think I was crazy, wouldn't you? Terry shrugged. What I am interested in, said Davis, has enough credit behind it for me to get some pretty rare electronic parts from the flat top and harbor back yonder. Nick called them by shortwave, they sent the parts ashore and gave them to Deirdre, and she brought them out to you. Terry blinked. Then he realized. Of course, 
That was where just about any imaginable component for electronic devices would be found. In the electronic stores of a flat top. They needed to have such things at hand. They'd carry them in store. Davis said dryly. They wouldn't supply parts to a civilian who was investigating imaginary gods or devils. So what I'm bothered with isn't a superstition, right? Yes, agreed Terry. It was true. The Navy would not stretch regulations for a crackpot civilian. It was not likely either that Horta would have implied so definitely that the Philippine government wanted somebody with Terry's qualifications to go for a cruise on the Esperance. Deirdre put her head up through the after-cabin hatch. Dinner is served, she said cheerfully. The wheel, said Davis to Terry. He went forward. All four of the non-professional seamen came with him when he returned.